Hello and welcome back to another Total Football Podcast. My name is Ben Mart and unfortunately you'll just have me to listen to today. In this week's podcast I'll be looking into the teams that have really hit form over the Christmas period, taking a look into potential transfers that could go through this month and also the news that England was put back into yet another period of lockdown and we'll have a look at the best football video games out there to keep football fans like yourselves occupied over this difficult time. So I'm going to look into the three most, I don't know, the biggest games over the weekend. So first of all, I'm going to start with my club, Chelsea, after they got um, a crucial 1-0 win against Fulham, in which Mason Mount got the winner, and this helped to end Chelsea's winless run of three straight Premier League defeats on the road this season. And in my opinion, it wasn't um, it wasn't the best performance by Chelsea by no means, but we managed to get a job done. It's uh, an important win for Lampard as he's been put under a lot of pressure recently after having a really bad form, run of form over the Christmas period. But um, Mason Mount, I think he's a really good player. He's very underrated, I feel, in the Premier League because most fans, they look at his stats, they don't see the goals or assists, but I think he brings much more than that because in this game, as well as scoring the winner, Mason Mount created seven chances in the game, which is a joint most by a Chelsea player in the league this season which was also Mount who got that same figure against Leeds. So I think Mason Mount is a really good player. He should definitely be in contention for, maybe not a starting lineup, but definitely in the squad for the Euros, because I reckon he's up there. He's one of the best playmaking midfielders, because I think Lampard has realised his best position this season, because during his first um, year in charge at Chelsea, he played Mount more on the left, or like on the right, on the wings. But I feel like you don't have that explosive pace what you need for a winger. So Mason Matt playing as number eight is really good. But as for Frank Lampard, people have been calling for a sack for him. I think that's way too early. If you look at the likes of Jurgen Klopp, he was given time three or four years until he started winning trophies at Liverpool. He had to get his squad together, the players he wants. Same for Lampard, it should be. Let him get the players he wants and needs, and he can build that. It would happen overnight. It'll take a couple of years to get into like their real groove of playing well together, competing at the top. But I reckon Chelsea will get there with Lampard. Same as Ole. A few months, um, month or so ago, he was getting sacked. Now look at him. They're up there in second place. But um, yeah, Frank Lampard, stick with him. Definitely until the end of the season. Because he's got potential. But Chelsea's next game is against Leicester. And oh my God, what a game. That is massive. And you call me stupid if I say this, yeah? But if Chelsea win, I say we're back in there for the title race. Look at how tight it is in the table this season. Chelsea in 7th, 29 points. Man United first, 37. So that's 8 points. 8 points at a minute. And it's, that's from 1st to 7th, so so close. that like anyone can win it this season. But I feel like if Chelsea get the win against Leicester, it'll be a really, really difficult game. I reckon we'll be back up there. Back up their challenging. But the next game I want to talk about is Liverpool against Man United. That finished 0-0. Man United once again making a big game, died down to 0-0. Happened against Chelsea. Happened against City. And now it's happened again against Liverpool. But United continue that unbeaten um, run beaten run in their past 16 away matches in the Prem. And Liverpool are now unbeaten in their past 68 league games at Anfield. Earning 178 points out of a possible 204 over this run. 
that is mesmerising. Liverpool, Anfield, absolute fortress. But the game itself I wanted to talk about, Liverpool, I thought, started very well. Very um, very strong, pressing from the front. Creating a few chances with Firmino, but I don't know. He's not a clinical striker, really, is he? Everyone says, oh, yeah, he does more than score goals. But in that game, he didn't. He had the chances, but he just didn't take them. And he, then he didn't even create the chances for other people. Like, on one occasion... He had a shot when Robertson was so clear on left wing, he could have played it to him. And he could have had a like, good shot on goal. But um, Man United, they sat back in their blocks. They played like a 4-4-1-1 four, 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 one, one almost. But Pogba at right mid, almost playing as a right wing back at times. And I don't know. I don't think Pogba would have enjoyed playing that role. But I reckon he was very disciplined into making sure um, Robertson didn't exploit down their right wing. But then Man United had the best two chances in the second half. Pogba and Fernandes, oh my gosh. If any one of them goes in, that'd be like a masterclass by um, Ole. Like the way he set them up to play. But 0-0. I think Man United fans would have taken that at the start. But Liverpool fans surely would have wanted to win. So now three points behind United. But as I said, it's tight at the top. Anything can happen. But realistically, can Man United win the title? I don't think so. Because as I said, a month ago they get like getting sacked while they was. But I think they're a little bit too inconsistent. A bit too inconsistent, I reckon. But who knows, anything can happen in this Premier League this season. So the next game I really want to speak about was, was Arsenal against Newcastle, where Arsenal came out 3-0 winners. And Newcastle, who have just lost to Sheffield United, giving them their first win... Have gone into this Arsenal game. They made eight changes, Steve Bruce said. Said in interviews, doing it his way. Make that what you will. So he made eight changes going into this game. 4-4-2. A classic formation. First half, they kept Arsenal at bay. Aubameyang missed an absolute sitter. Oh my God, I could have scored that with my eyes closed. But, um, hit the post. Newcastle didn't create much. Their biggest threat was Almiron, really, down the right wing. Breaking on a few counter-attacks. But other than that, Newcastle looked toothless. Nothing going forward. But then in the second half, Arsenal came out all guns blazing. Well, maybe not all guns blazing, but I reckon Arteta said to him, increase the tempo, increase the intensity, and you can score a few, which they did. Aubameyang got a brace. Bakayo Saka got a goal after a great assist from Emil Smith-Rowe, who looks a real player. People call him a Croydon De Bruyne. Oof. But, um... Yeah, he was a real good player. Real good performance from him. And again, Bakayo Saka. Where um, only Nicolas Anelka, Seth Rabagas and Theo Walcott have been involved in more Premier League goals for Arsenal as a teenager than Bakayo Saka. So, so far for Arsenal, he's got five goals and six assists. He's a great little player. Very versatile. Left mid, right wing. Left back. Even centre mid, I can see him playing, really. He's a little nimble player, quick on the ball. And him and Smith Rowe have been really good. And Arsenal have improved recently, really. They're back up to 10th after a very poor poor form of October and November time. But they're now five unbeaten under Arteta. And they've kept five clean sheets in a row. So they're looking pretty good. Other games to mention. West Brom beat Wolves 3-2. Sam Allardyce getting his first win. Can he keep another team up once again? We'll wait and better wait and see, won't we? And also Southampton, 
fell to a 2-0 defeat to Leicester with James Madison scoring from a virtually impossible angle and then Harvey Barnes wrapping up the win. Tottenham beat Sheffield United 3-1. Tangai and Dumbele with, oh my God, what a goal. Is that goal of the season? Did he mean it? I'm not so sure, but there you go. They scored, they won. Brighton with a very important win against Leeds. And is Karen Carney right? Have Leeds run out of steam and did look down, help them to win the championship. I don't know, she got a lot of hate for that, but I reckon she might be right, really. But Leeds, they're just... I don't know, everyone likes the way they play. They get wins, they get smashed. I don't think that's very sustainable. They want to stay in the league, and that's very dangerous, playing the way they play. It's similar to Norwich last season. They wanted to continue playing their good football, good torch in the eye, but then exposed at the back. So I'm not too sure. West Ham beat Burnley 1-0. Burnley can't seem to be scoring these days, can they? They can't find the cutting edge that they need. But then, so, the title race. The title race for me is absolutely wide open. Anybody could clinch it this year. I'm going to go with top three, I'll say. Top three to win the title. I know that's like um pretty bold statement as in like, Anyone can win it, but I think it's. I say top three candidate candidates for me to win it. Oh, Man City have really hit some form now. Really, really hit some form. I think think you got to say Liverpool. Then it's out of Leicester United, really. We do this. Go in my top four. Top four prediction. I go from now. Yeah. So, in first, I recommend City might pip it this year to win the title. In second, I reckon Liverpool. When they get, get, start getting a few of their players back and Henderson and Fabinho can actually go back into midfield, their best positions, I reckon... Do you not know? Leicester second. I go Man City, then Leicester, then Liverpool, then United. That's what I'm saying now. Anything can change in the next couple of weeks, can't they? As we all know. So that's the title race. That's my predictions for now, I'd say. But now... How teams did over the Christmas period. We obviously saw Chelsea really full over the Christmas period. They're now sitting in seventh. And it's not the best position after spending over £200 million in the transfer market, really, is it? Wolves, really consistent team, I thought. But now they're in 14th after a little bit of a slump. So they obviously lost to West Brom that they wouldn't have liked against a, in the Black Country and Derby. Other teams have done well. I'd say Leicester are doing really well still. They've, they've gone under the radar. Man City are on fire now. Absolutely on fire, I'd say. Keeping clean sheets left, right and centre. Left, right and centre. Scoring goals for fun still. Newcastle a bit slumping down. Haven't won in seven now. So, it's tight. It's tight all over the league, really. No one knows what's going to happen. Relegation scrap. Is Big Sam going to get sacked for the first time? Oh, I'm not sure, really. West Brom has signed Robert Snodgrass, who played a good game. Matos Pereira scored two goals. Ajay scored again. For them, but do we have enough to stay up? And can Sam keep once another team up? It's very tough. Very, very tough. Because Burnley are just above the relegation zone. I mean, you know, Sean Dyke, he likes to keep it compact. They get the wins. They get the draws here and there. But they're, they've been doing fairly poor this season. Only 16 points after 17 games. When Brighton have been getting dragged back down into it, but with a big win against Leeds, 
it's made him a little bit more confident, I'd say. Fulham, they're playing some good football. Going back to a four at the back, they've been good, apart from a Chelsea game where obviously Robinson got sent off, didn't help their chances of getting a result there. But um, Sheffield United are shortly down. Five points after 19 games. And they're recording their first win after 18 games. That's not really good, is it? That's not good enough. Although Chris Wilder is still a good manager, I'd say. Especially last season, but it's a bit of second season syndrome, isn't it, really? But um, I want to talk about my um, standout player of the season, if I had to pick one player. I've narrowed it down to two, which is everyone, like, quite a few players have done well this season. But the two I've narrowed it down to is a signing that Man City got in this season, who I thought went really under the radar. No one spoke about him that much. I don't know if it's because of how much he was or just the position. But I'm going to say my standout player, well, one of them, I'd say Ruben Diaz, 23 years old, 60 million. I think it's like 35 they pay, but we'll get to 60 million with all the add-ons and stuff. But the partnership he's created with John Stones, and I think he's helped John Stones get back to his get back to some world-class format. He like, really deserves to be playing. Because Ruben Diaz for Man City, 15 games, 8 clean sheets, only conceded 7 goals. And I think he's been a real force and a real reason why Man City are back up there now in the title race. With him and John Stones, they've been rock solid at the back. But then also, another stand-up player I want to go with is Harry Kane. He's been doing special things this season for Tottenham. 12 goals, 11 assists. Like Imagine getting double figures in both. Not many players do that. Especially under Jose Mourinho. Some people may have thought, oh, he might be a bit too defensive for Harry Kane. Might not get the goals that he truly deserves and can get. But him and Son, the partnership has been unbelievable. And also in Dombele, he's been playing centre-attacking midfield. He's been fairly good as well. Steven Bergwijn. But yeah, I think the role he's playing for Tottenham now is really suiting him. As he drops back into midfield sometimes, picks up the ball to play in Son, is it, or is it Bergwijn, Lucas? But yeah, I think Jose Mourinho is getting the best out of a informed Harry Kane. It would look good for the Euros, who'd definitely be starting up front and as captain. But then, on to my most disappointing player of the season so far. So, I think the most obvious one, and for the money reasons, <clears throat> is probably Kai Havertz. 21-year-old. He's around £70 million Chelsea brought him in for. And he started off very slowly. In 15 Premier League games, he's got a goal and two assists to his name. And for that sort of money, myself and other Chelsea fans were expecting a little bit more, at least. Similar to Timo Werner as well. But I think of Kai Havertz, he said it in an interview, it's about the Premier League is so much more physical than the Bundesliga. It's like the most competitive league he's ever seen or played in. But with him being 21, <clears throat> he's still got a lot more to offer in his career. And I reckon Frank Lampard's got to keep persisting with him. And hopefully, from somewhere, he'll get like a, a goal. For example, against Leicester, if he gets a winner, his confidence will go so high, he'll be back on some form, surely. It's all about confidence in football, Phil. So if Kai Havertz, he needs a backing from his manager, Frank Lampard, and the support of his teammates. And hopefully, hopefully um, he'll get into some good format that we need from him, really. But then people... Um, discuss what is his best best position in Frank Lampard's team. Because Frank plays a 4-3-3, one CDM, two centre mids, and obviously left wing, right wing. And he tried him out on the right wing, 
We tried him out as a centre forward in the false nine. And also as a number eight. And then for Leverkusen, he played an eight, ten, nine. He played everywhere for Leverkusen and did very, fairly well everywhere he played. But in the Prem, <clears throat> I'm not sure where his best position is really. And I think that's what Frank Lampard is struggling with a little bit. So he's played with, played him as a number eight the most. But then he hasn't been very prolific there. And then obviously you've got Mason Mount. And if you play Havertz and Mount in as two centre mids, that two attacking maybe. Well, it might expose the CDM. But I'd probably say, for now, keep him as a number eight. And hopefully, he'll get some form. Also, another mention. I want to mention to Anthony Martial. Man, you're not going to be title challengers. They can't be that if they don't have a striker getting two goals and three assists so far. Nearly halfway into the season. I know he brought on Cavani. But Martial still had his fair share of games to prove his worth. And I don't think he's done that, really. Like, Martial, he wants to be playing up front. I know he said he wants to be playing up front. But then against Liverpool, for some reason, Ole played Rashford up front and Martial on the left. Whereas I thought that Rashford prefers the wing and Martial prefers playing up front. So I don't really understand that decision from the manager. But I feel Martial still has got off more than what he's been doing so far. But then also, oh yeah, another mention for my standout player of the season. Standout. I'll say Tielemans. Four goals and two assists. Doesn't look too good, does it? But um, for Leicester, he's controlled that midfield. Even when Ndidi wasn't there, he was so good defensively, tracking back. He's a box-to-box midfielder. He does it all. So I think that's a real reason why Leicester are so high as where they are. Obviously, you've got Vardy getting back in the goals, as usual. But um, yeah. So on to a subject now that's getting quite highlighted quite a lot in football now because of lockdown for England. But the question is, should football continue during the pandemic and the lockdown that we find ourselves in now? So, obviously it's continuing for now. But then they also also have put to the players and to the managers, the government and the Premier League, FA, have told the players to stop celebrating in such a manner where they're so close. Now, I want to discuss this because, in my opinion, if celebrating... If it's not safe to celebrate, like for example hugging, if it's not safe to do that, then I don't understand how it's not how it no I don't understand how they can deem it safe to play football as it is. For example, a corner. Sometimes you can have a whole the whole like I don't know, fifteen players in the box, so close. Actually that's worse than a celebration. Where you'd have less than eleven obviously. So I don't really understand. It's like one rule for this, one rule for that. If it's not safe to celebrate it's not safe to play, surely. But obviously, saw James Madison, he took his part in the celebrating, um, socially distanced, shaking his hands with his teammates two metres apart. But I still don't understand it, really, because in the changing rooms, they'll be close. On the coaches, they'll be close. So I'm not... I'm, I'm not for that at all, really. I don't really think that should be... Um, I don't think it should be so strict on the celebrating sort of thing. I know if handshakes and that, it's obviously a bit different. You don't handshake at the end or at the start of games but we're celebrating they're in their own little bubble they get tested like in it, every two days something like that so I think it's more than safe to carry on and they can celebrate I feel if they want to and if they score of course <laughs> but then there's a lot of games getting getting postponed obviously a Spurs game got um, postponed very late it did like a couple hours before it's supposed to begin or a few hours I think that got Jose Mourinho a bit angry putting on 
social media, the best league in the world apparently, but um, gets postponed with a few hours to go. It's obviously a bit um, a bit annoying for managers, isn't it really? But um, Fulham obviously got a bit annoyed because they got a game rearranged for midweek with like forty two hours notice. But even then, I still think that's enough. But yeah, hopefully for postponed games will find a way to get played at some point during the season because a few are getting quite a few get postponed every now and then well not too many but enough to make you like look because Aston Villa on 15 15 games played when for example Arsenal played above them and were 19 games played so you can't look at the league like so precisely really because uh, everyone's on different games played really but hopefully they'll get played when there's a chance to when there's a chance to play them <clears throat> but now we find ourselves in the January transfer window. And I want to speak about first the best January tra- transfer deals from, from the past. So we've got the likes of Bruno Fernandes, 40 million from um, Sporting, wasn't it? To Man United. Van Dyke, 70 million. Southampton to um, Liverpool. We had Mata, 37 million to Man United. Coutinho, 142 million. That's the biggest one. To Barcelona, Bumming's transfer during January, but the one for me, the one for me has probably been the best and the most best value for money. Was in the twenty thirteen fourteen season, so in January twenty fourteen, when the Man United went to Chelsea for twenty two million from Benfica. He's a Jose Mourinho, Mourinho type of player, a CDM or sit back, defend, win the ball back for the team to let the more prolific players do the damage. So we got him in the 2013-14 season. Finished third. Yep, did a double over Liverpool and Man City, who finished above us. But then 2014-15 season, him paired up in midfield with Fabregas. Oh, it was great to watch it was. He would win the ball back. Player to Fabregas. Fabregas, a ball into Costa. Goal. That was a great season for us. And a really good signing. 22 million. Quality that was. Then obviously he went on to Man United. And I think he made profit on him, I think, for like 40 million. So... Good business there. And he's still doing well for Man United, to be fair. But, um, yeah, so into the now. So what teams need strengthening now, I'd say? Liverpool, centre-back. Joe Gomez out long-term. Van Dijk out long-term. I'd say centre-back. They've been um, linked with Upa Meccano from RB Leipzig. A young centre-back. They're looking probably in excess of £40 million from, I reckon. And how Klopp say they don't think they actually signed anybody this season. It's a bit surprising because... Um, Against Man United, they played um, Fabinho and Henson in centre back, so they don't really want that, do they? To play two recognised or two of their best midfielders in centre back. But um, other teams that need strengthening: Sheffield United, anywhere I've put because they do really. I think more going forward because they're not bad defensively. They don't concede too many goals really. Is in like they just lose it, lose their games at like, one 0 or by a single goal. But I think going forward, McGoldrick's their goal top goal scorer. I think of it. I think five goals or four goals so it's not very prolific so they need like more of an attacking threat when I've watched them Oli Burke's done well but he's got no end product it's all right having this, the pace which he has and the skill but they need the end product to really get himself out of trouble which I think is unlikely anyway and also West Brom have put a centre back just Ivan- they brought in Ivanovic but he's past it now he's way past it but um, potential transfers. <coughs> um, Tamori looks like he might be going to AC Milan on loan, with an, um, with an option to buy of thirty million. I don't know about this. I'm a bit disappointed. 
as a Chelsea fan, last season he was really good. Breath, breath of fresh air at centre-back. He's got the pace, he can tackle, he can score a goal, see his goal against Wolves, that's an amazing goal. So I don't understand why he's not been getting any first-team football this season, really. Even against um, even against a lower opposition, FA Cup, he didn't get a chance. He only come off, of the, off the bench for the last 22, min- 22 minutes, I think it was. But he deserves more of a first-team opportunity. So I can understand why he wants to leave. But I know we got Thiago Silva, but I reckon he could have got paired up with him to help him through his little... help him through his youth. He's 20 now, I think. Help him through, get into first team. An experienced player to learn from. But yeah, another centre-back could be on his way out. Eric Garcia to Barcelona. Another young centre-back who did well for Man City. But... um. Lack of first team opportunities because of um, the form of the other centre backs might might um make him move back to his old club, but there's a couple of done deals done. Sebastian Haller, twenty million to Ajax. They've made a loss of around twenty million there. West Ham have. Haller didn't really um hit the ground running of West Ham and hasn't really done much since they preferred Antonio to him, so that's fair enough. Merzat Özil, the saga I think is finally over. I'm not sure it's been officially confirmed yet, but everyone's seen on social media he's going to Fenerbahce on a free after Arsenal uh, and him have mutually terminated his contract. And the thing is, I don't get with this one. I don't understand why fans moan about the money he was getting. Arsenal offered them £350,000 a week for a reason. He's a quality player. And I can't understand having moan at him for not playing. And at the end of the day, it's the manager's choice. If you don't play him and if he's not in the squad, then how can that be the player's fault? Surely he'll be given his all in training, but some may say he won't. Often um, fans said he went missing in big games, which I guess is true in some ways, but he was still a quality player. For Real Madrid, he was, on, for Real Madrid, he was like another level. He was sensational. For Arsenal, we had a couple of good seasons. Arsenal Wenger liked him, but Unai Emery didn't like him that much, and neither does Arteta. But another one has gone through... Charlie Austin's gone on to QPR from West Brom. He didn't really get any opportunities for West Brom this season. And he's already bagged his first goal for QPR. And Ahmed Diallo, £37 million from Atalanta to Man United. That has gone through because it was agreed in um in the summer, but it went through in January and he's now joined up with the squad. I'm not sure he'll get any um much first-team action this season. If anything, he might go on loan or play in the second squad, like the Premier League 2 team. But he's a good youngster. He looks very promising, he does. Good little tricky winger, he is. But, yeah. So, now, on to point three. Now, so, as we're back in lockdown, I thought it would be good to discuss some good football video games out there. So, I think everyone's probably played FIFA. It's surely the most popular game out there. I've played it. I've played it since a young age. I've, my first one on my Xbox was FIFA 13, I think. Played it all up into FIFA 21, which is this year. Even though, even though I don't play it as much now, it's still a great game and I advise people looking into getting it. But then also, a rival FIFA is PES. Now that's still a very good game, a similar type of game, different in terms of graphics and game modes, I'd say. But PES was the first one I bought actually on my Nintendo DS. I got PES 2008, I think. Yeah, 2008. God, that seems ages away. It is really, but um, 
so long ago. But um, Pez is a very good game still. I think FIFA's more popular than Pez, and it tends to get better ratings, I'd say. But um, yeah, they're two really good games. But the uh, last one I want to mention is Football Manager. Now, Football Manager is um, a football simulation game where you can get it on your PC, and it's come out on Xbox, you get it on your phone, tablet. Now, um, Football Manager, it's a football simulation game, obviously. You basically take charge of a football team, and you man- manage everything to the tactics for training the finances for youth team it's so in depth so in depth i've got it on my xbox has come out on xbox again after quite a few years it was just on pc and phones and tablets but um it's really good especially when you find some like real gems and then your scouts bring up for you and you see them in real life do well that's a really good feeling but um yeah that's it for today's fo- total football podcast i hope you enjoyed it yeah.